but do the do the intro again okay welcome to film trace this is a podcast where we trace the life of a film from conception to production all the way to release and reception <laughs> we have a special guest if you can hear in the background folks it is molly she is back this is your what fifth time fourth time i don't know <laughs> what was the last movie you did the chicago no. trial chicago something okay. i did something after that Times of Donnie Darko. Too. You did Donnie oh, Darko. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We really alienate a lot of people with that one, probably. That got real long. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good one. That was a good episode. Um, We are back. You are back to talk about, I believe this is your, how would you describe your relationships with erotic <laughs> thrillers? Let's start with that. Oh, I just... <laughs> uh, I just really enjoy them. It's one of my favorite subgenres, so... As I said before, let's see how many times I can say erotic in this episode and make people uncomfortable. Um, it's tricky, though, when it's audio because it often comes across as neurotic. Right. Well, <laughs> I'll just gonna... be sure to overemphasize when I say yeah. it and linger, e- and linger on the word. So, yeah. Uh, it is, what do we got? Episode four of season five. We are doing an anniversary film. Uh, I guess, did I pick this, right? I picked this, didn't I, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. Uh, it, w- it seemed like a left field choice for you, Dan, though it is not only an erotic thriller, it's also a neo-noir, and I know that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what about it. This is uh, Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat. 40th anniversary came out back in 1981. Yeah, so 40 years. I've never seen it before. So <laughs> I I chose it because I think Molly, you mentioned it as a movie that I should see. I believe it uh, was probably scrolling through. You were probably calling an audible on a movie night. Scrolling, we were scrolling through HBO yeah, Max, which it's streaming right. on, and I probably was mentioned, and you were had said you hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah, and so it uh, it's one of those movies that I've heard about a lot, but had never seen before. So I was like, let's just. Do, I love noir films. Erotic thrillers, not my subgenre of choice, to be honest with you. Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw Fatal Attraction or Basic Instinct. I don't even know if I've seen them in full. Uh, so well, I thought, in, let's, let's in this community, this. we don't only acknowledge um, thrillers with Michael Douglas in them. So I guess I'll just point that out. <laughs> that list is. I get that he's he's sort of a weird for a small period of time. He was weirdly had this like very intense run of like erotic yeah. thrillers, like fatal attraction, um, basic instinct, um, disclosure, which nobody probably remembers with Demi Moore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and him, where she's like a female boss who sexually yeah. harasses him. Very strange. Um, but yeah, there was like a weird time. I guess like perfect murder too. Like he was, sure. that was like, right. he was, that was his thing. He was the, he was to erotic thrillers as Meg Ryan was to romantic comedies in the nineties. So yeah. give me give me your top three non Michael Douglas erotic thrillers. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a tough. You're oh, you know, yeah. I mean, we go for the ladies. So Bound, uh, Ooh, Last yeah. Seduction, um, oh. anything by Adrian Lind. I just let's call Flashdance an erotic thriller too. Oh, just nice. lump all. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. There's a uh, you know, yeah. Would we call would Body that. Heat like the first? massively successful erotic thriller uh, i think some of de palma's stuff might have been earlier i don't remember though mm, yeah i guess what like b- uh blowout would you count that it's not really i mean body double it's, you're probably it's a, 
it's like the same year um but is yeah really? i think yeah i think uh the 80s is kind of where it really really hit i mean de palma was definitely doing the thriller genre in the late 70s i guess dressed to kill is 1980 but i wouldn't necessarily call that movie erotic especially since you know it's problematic looking back um yeah i don't know i don't well, I, dressed I, to kill, I i'm sorry uh body double came out in 1984 so this is three oh, years before yeah. that yeah yeah well and blo- well yeah blowout was 81 though um blowout uh, was like more political thriller right yeah yeah the Fury was, was 78, but that's still like straight, like psychological thriller. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I think that's kind of been the canonical agreement that Body Heat birthed the genre, though, at least in my initial it seems research. that way. Right? Yeah. It seems like there hasn't been, I mean, sure, there's also, there's always like proto examples of these films, but nothing that this successful that landed this large. Right. Uh, in the sort of public consciousness. And so, what is Body Heat about? Should we do the tagline? It's a hot summer. <laughs> is waiting for something to happen. And when it does, you won't be ready for the consequences. Can we just talk about the name Ned Racine for a minute? Is it Racine or Racine? Because in Wisconsin, we say Racine, right? Yeah, this, there's a city called Racine. But I, yeah. I, I tried to pay specific attention in my rewatch that I believe in every instance, the characters name him or pronounce his name racing yeah racing that's like a, maybe like a southern thing <laughs> i don't know it's a florida, florida thing. thing yeah yeah so it takes place in florida Ned Racine's uh like a small town i i heard him listed as a shyster but that does not seem appropriate <laughs> listed where in the movie no it's one of the plot points or it's one of the uh synopsis and i was like no he's not really a shyster Oh, because a shyster... yeah i don't think we should be using that word at all <laughs> we're not we're not cleared for that sir gotcha uh i just don't think that that's really what what he is he's just i i don't know honestly i feel like he's i don't know it's like the like ambulance chaser term and i don't even think he's that i think he's, he's just kind of supposed that. to be dumb like i don't yeah. think he's supposed to be he a particular i didn't take i never took him his character as um Whatever, like a specific, like I, I think you can, you know, like, oh, it's this type of lawyer, or like class, a certain, like he, I feel like his whole thing is just, but like he's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not dupe. He's the, what's the, the patsy? I don't know. Whatever the term I'm looking for is that I can't figure out. I mean, like he's just supposed to kind of be, you know, he's just kind of dumb straight up, I think is right. what he's supposed to be. He's like, he's, he's identified by multiple characters as easily like dupable and like not very good at his job. <laughs> Yeah, and he doesn't like his job. He doesn't have any passion for it. Yeah, he's just so like he kind of goes through the motions, plays a little fast and loose. Uh, Clearly, he's uh, amoral since he basically just says, "Hey, let's murder somebody." But let's get back to the plot. What what does this lawyer do, Dan? Also, shyster is not anti-Semitic. If you guys are thinking that. No, not necessarily. I'm just thinking like it's no, no, no. I just oh my god, I love that you. This is everyone's I feel no, like in my episodes they always get a real window into these friendships. Uh like you're just like <laughs> instead of listening to us talking about the movie, you're like off Googling some random thing. Like, well, according was, to I the ele- etymology. I'm on Miriam Webster. I, but I do I mean it's a Yiddish term, correct? 
it's Yiddish, but there's nothing anti-Semitic about the word shyster. Okay, first of all, no one said anti-Semitic. <laughs> I guess just clear. I guess we were just flagging well, let's it as clarify like both of your reactions to the word shyster. <laughs> I mean, I just felt I I don't know the history of word, but since I I I I try to not I try not to to use Yiddish terms since I am not Yiddish myself and don't know much about <laughs> Yiddish terms. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, so he's a small town <laughs> shyster. <laughs> and the whole point of that is he's not a shyster because it's not what he is. I got it. I mean, okay, whatever. He's 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 un he's unscrupulous. Yes, I we already got it. He's sure unscrupulous. Like I'm just I, I like my description. He's dumb. Like he's dumb and he's just yeah, like doesn't dumb. care. Yeah. yeah, I would say more like right. yeah. He's yeah, I think that's how he's supposed to read. He's, he's not his like job. Yeah, like I don't really think we actually get, um, I, like we don't. I, I don't really know him that well, right? Like you're, yeah, you're we, you I don't mean, really like intense. Like we don't get like a deep dive into his background no, or like how no, he got no. where this he is. is. Not a, <laughs> this is not a character study. No, that's what no, I'm saying. Of really. like, I think like yeah. <laughs> I, yes, he is the you're you're you read, and that's part of the fun of the. <laughs> tying it back to this genre like neo-noir or erotic thrillers or whatever you know what i mean those like genre type movies is because you know you like the characters are sketched enough you know i think like the good ones where you're like oh this hit sort of these like marks or i know how i'm supposed to read or interpret that or what kind of archetype they're playing but you know it gives it enough layering like i I think he's well drawn like i think william hurt you're like I, i don't think he's like a I don't want to cut out, right? Yeah, like I I think like he's like I actually think he's like a compelling character. I'm just saying like yes, I don't we don't get a deep dive into like his thoughts on like the law profession per se or like why he and you know I think what I'm saying is he's supposed to read as kind of dumb and whatever. There's there's not a lot going on in there. Yeah, and that's fine. (laughs) Uh, So did we even talk? Did we talk about what actually happens in this movie? No, no, we're sidetracked. (laughs) <laughs> My apologies. So this uh, this lawyer essentially meets this beautiful uh, lady, Maddie Walker, who is played by Catherine Turner, and it's her film debut. Mm-hmm. Um, this is her first film wow, ever. Wow, wow, wow! Right? Yeah, and what? she couldn't even get. There's like some notes on the exactly. There's some notes on the sort of like a casting of this, or she wanted to get an audition. She couldn't even get an audition because she had no film credits. And it's only after they couldn't really cast for this role that they went back to her. And I think she was in the right town at the right moment. Uh, And it just worked. Um, Yeah, so Ned meets Maddie. An affair commences. Uh, Essentially, it's the the plot of Double Indemnity, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they plot to murder her rich husband, take the money. And then, of course, things do not work out as they seem or want to. Um, so it's a very classic boilerplate noir plot that's been around for what 40 years at this point 50 years um but that's not really what makes the movie pop um i think the first thing you'll notice if you've seen a lot of noir films is that um there's a lot of sex in this which is not the case in most traditional noirs all those had production codes right you couldn't say certain things about sex you certainly could not show sex on screen uh, and this was just the complete sort of opposite of that, uh, which I think is one of the reasons why it made such a big splash when it came out. It was sort of 
it was erotic. Uh, so it was a very sort of different <laughs> sort of take. And I think that's important, right? That it, I there's maybe like only a few seconds total of actual sex, but there's a lot of sexiness. There's a lot of erotic moments and sweaty bodies, right? God, I love talking about room. erotic things with this group, you know? Me too. It's, it's palpable and like you definitely, <laughs> you guys don't like take any, you just, yeah, it's just really, you can feel the eroticism <laughs> with how you talk about it. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I have a, what's important here is uh, there's 2.7 um, exact minutes of screen time with erotic content <laughs> uh, and <laughs> but I mean this is not the the weird thing about that too is like this is probably not the most sexually explicit mainstream film right, right? like when did when, what's the bigger ones I'm thinking of like in the 70s no, no takers. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, in what capacity? Are you talking about like, like NC seventeen ish? I mean, but I see what I okay. What I like about, I think most of the ones that were, I would argue, actually, like pretty gross. Like Straw yeah. Dogs, Last Tango in Paris. Like, like actually, right. like really, like okay. there's nothing erotic about any of those movies, even if they're supposed to be, because they're actually like really kind of like a little bit like disgusting depictions of sex sometimes i mean like explicit right like especially like sexual assault or just like last tango in paris is super gross um but like <clears throat> that's part of the i feel like the and again the appeal of a movie like this and like erotic thrillers in general is like you get the you, it's like they create an immersive quality, right? Like, I feel like there's always, like, the femme. I, I mean, I can keep going, but I also realize, do you want to get through the plot summary? <laughs> I, mean, I never realized, really did we? About, right? we can get through the plot summary? The plot did we get through the Byzantine, like, legal code that really, like, weirdly has, like, a, <laughs> like a weird, uh, whatever it is, like, perpetual property law or whatever is in, like, the weird... Uh, which goes back to Will how he's terrible at his job, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Should we dive in? Let's call in a lawyer on that one. Yeah, um, legal. No, yeah, let's like call in. We don't know any town. lawyers. Um, but I was saying, like, so for me, it's like, you know, what's the difference for me uh, between like an erotic thriller, like whatever, which I feel like is they're typically also neo noirs, kind of like it's like a very sort of specific kind of thriller element, um, and I feel like. You know, the di I don't, the difference is like there's the femme fatale archetype, right? But a lot of times it's just, it's not explicit. And I don't even mean with like showing sex on screen, it's not explicitly that the sort of danger or draw is just generally like dangerous woman, right? With like an erotic thriller and like in this movie, it is like, the thrill for us as the audience if it you know these characters appeal to you and their attraction appeals to you it's like the thrill is like being immersed in this like equal parts um you know suspense of the mystery but also like the edge of your seat like oh it's this fantasy of like you are caught up in being so fucking corny like you know in like this very dangerous way where it's like i'm gonna risk it all you know what I mean? Like I'm risking it Please. all. I know this is going to end poorly and I know I'm going to, and then I just keep making poor decisions, you know, or like I keep making more dangerous decisions. And like, so part of the suspense is like not only what those characters typically do, but it's like wrapped up in this, like, 
you know, this erotic sort of really, you know, it's a fantasy element, right? For most yeah. people is like this, like you get trapped in this whole thing because there's this attraction and eroticism that you like stumble upon that's so strong that it makes right? you do things you didn't even imagine, right? Yeah. Like he says that even too, like after, after the will stuff goes down, the police detective and his friend Ted Danson, which I believe, I don't know if this is his film debut, but it's, I think it's one of his biggest uh, initial it's roles his, before Cheers. Yeah, it's his, well, it's his second uh, big screen role gotcha. after The Onion Fields, which was also a neo-noir, which is kind of strange because he was Ted mostly Danson. just doing, yeah. Well, they TV even comedy. warned him about, you know, sticking around, or, you know, heading over to her house, hanging out with her, and he goes, well, maybe she'll fuck me to death. And it's like, it's so clearly stated, like the thesis of the film. I mean, the thing that blew me away, because I hadn't seen it before, is that initial scene where they go back to her mansion. Uh, Ooh, never looking at wind chimes the same. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> so many wind chimes. So, and then he throws the, uh, the chair. chair through the window. Like, that's yeah, just right. Like, that's, ooh. And she's like, that, I mean, yeah, that was like. That uh, is like, it's not, yeah, like. Oof, that's. I mean, that's a pretty. Yeah, that's like there's a. a whole, that's there's what a lot I'm of layers to that too. Did it? Let's talk about. Did it stir some things in you? Um, <laughs> let's get into it. Um, it's not well, I mean, it's almost like there's a there's an element to it of like, like, like the home invasion part of that is really odd. Like, why would that? Right, like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, no, I mean, like, that's a funny, um, no. I mean, maybe. I think that that's <laughs> funny know, that you... throws the door through the window. Yeah, but again, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Home. When executed properly, like, you know, like, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe this doesn't work for you, but when, like, erotic stuff is, like, and this, like, erotic sort, like, when this is executed properly, it's, like, that is, it's slightly, but everything about a noir, right, is over the top in a certain way, even if it's not, right? You know what I mean? It's like a, there's an element of, to, in order to have a neo-noir genre, there's like an element of um, structure, right? Artifice, over the topness, mm -hmm. you know, in the sense of it's like a slightly heightened reality. That's sort of how you get, you know, genre in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like the same goes here where it's like that it's, it's the execution of a fantasy. And I don't mean like in, because I don't think that's how this plays like a violent sort of erotic home invasion. He's not there. She's like standing there. Why it works is because she is watching him through that window mm -hmm. being like, God, I hope you smash this window because I want to have sex with you so fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. like, that is like, she's like, she's looking at him the way that it's directed. Well, like course. she's looking yeah, at she's him, like, please of, throw, yeah. she's like begging yeah. him. Like again, in a, in a, it's a, it's a fantastical erotic moment. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, right. like in, show me how bad you want me. To, yeah. Like, and like, just, yeah, absolutely do this. Break through the window. I asked you to leave, but don't leave. Come back right. and break through the window. <laughs> I did. I did want on the floor. <laughs> I did want uh, like uh, just a inner. They have these kind of interesting interstitial uh, scenes, like mini montages throughout the film, where it's just like a few seconds of William Hurt like smoking and looking at the camera in bed uh, to transition between scenes. And so I was hoping that this uh, housekeeper that they keep talking about that we never see 
like just a few seconds of her just like shaking her head and sweeping up the glass or something it seems (laughs) okay that's a weird thing (laughs) because i think that one aspect of the film that i i do get where where that interpretation comes from dan because especially when you pair it with your other observation about his comment about getting fucked to death it seems like um there is like a that's one of the reasons that the movie works so well in mm-hmm. like trying to be more than just, you know, people having an affair more than just like, um, you know, kind of the, the, the code era, um, uh, romance that leads to planning the husband's death, like in Billy Wilder, the double indemnity. Right. Yeah. So like, there is this kind of like new eighties edge to it. That's, brought to the mainstream and it's interesting because this was um ostensibly a pretty small or at least like a moderately budgeted movie nine million it wasn't huge because it was it was at 20th century fox right uh when i think his name was lad who ended up leaving um and then they somehow casting got it removed from 20th century fox and went to this guy who was the champion of the film for like nine million dollar production budget which is yeah. not small per se, not like an indie film or something right, like right, that right. back then, but like not huge. Especially for the guy, like it's his d- debut, but like he had just written two of the biggest movies of all time, Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? And yeah, so I mean, I don't he, think this is an easy sell. No, no, no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah. And he even got, he got 250K from George Lucas himself uh, to, to help with any budget. He, he you know, had to vouch for him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there's something going on here where it's like Kazdan and everybody else involved that's like supporting the idea of this film. It's clear that like he's really trying to like push the boundary without really going over, right? Like he would never do like a peck and paw straw dogs kind of thing, or even a last tango in Paris type thing to go back to what you were kind of referencing, what was going on in the seventies. That was definitely not like fun to watch. Right. Um, but yeah. disturbing and, uh, and kind of gross. Um, so like, it's really interesting how they are able to straddle that line between discomfort and just straight up like, enjoy, like enjoyable, hardcore romance kind of thing yeah i mean do we feel like this is like a would you call this a guilty pleasure movie molly this one's directed at you (laughs) would you call it a guilty pleasure or would you call it like i mean again this is i feel like that's a larger conversation like i i i feel like i'm i don't even subscribe to like the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the guilty pleasure i mean because i i don't I maybe I've I've personally I don't mean that in like a I'm enlightened like for me I'm kind of like oh I no longer have utility for myself in terms of guilty pleasure I can understand that there's different reasons why I find you know certain TV or movie content pleasurable where I can objectively be like yeah I know this is kind of trash or like not objectively good writing or like this and that or I can't really explain why I like it right but I just know I like it and I you know whatever there's different I can understand there's different qualitative reasons why i um, am drawn to something so i don't really think there's anything i don't really understand i don't i'd be curious like if why you ask that question like what would what makes you think this would be a guilty pleasure over a different noir movie well i think essentially we just talked about it being very over the top 
Right. But, like, I'm, but I feel like everything's over the top. That's what I'm saying. The genre. But I think t- that's, well, that's the question for me. It's sort of like if I look at something that like Night Moves or mm-hmm. like um, that's not super over the top. Right. It's kind but I don't of think this movie is super over right. the top. I, I wouldn't. That, it doesn't uh, read like I, that to me. There, I but there's, there's, mo- there's, there's, there's moments of it that feel like, the, especially the the chance through the door felt very over the top. And I will <laughs> say the one time in which I actually like laughed out loud, and I didn't remember this from uh, while I was doing my rewatch. I context i had watched this movie like in a fever dream while i was sick one day like eight or ten years ago and yeah. so i didn't remember much about it so but during my rewatch i was just like i i i i got like some of those clues such as the chair through the window moment but the moment that really got me like wondering like hmm, how how self-aware is this movie yeah well, that, is that's the question when, i'm really asking right like when william hurt uh walks up to the gazebo thinking it's um kathleen turner and it turns out to be her f- friend or uh, yeah, whatever. And person who she still did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, lady, want to fuck? Yeah. Like that was that. That's it's funny, right? It's funny. Well, is that's it supposed why, that's to be? Like, is it? Um, <laughs> you guys are killing me. <laughs> is there an element of like parody going on here? Like, I mean, because it is noir by the book, right? The plot. It's a plot that's been used, you know, several times before. Um, so that's not super innovative, uh, or kind of new or whatever. Um, and he does sort of write it in a very sort of traditional noir way. The added elements here are the sexual elements that are explicit. Uh, and I think you, like, it's sort of the erotica is kind of the point in a lot of the scenes, which would not be the case in a traditional noir. Um, is is it an homage? Is it like a wink at noir? And he's trying to do something new, or is it you know parody, pastiche? What do we? Does it matter? <laughs> this, this man wants a category. A category. Well, I think that's that's Help one of the Molly. reasons why I, <laughs> with the film, I sort of struggle with it, like yeah. enjoying it. It's sort of like, from a noir perspective, it doesn't really do anything all that interesting to me. Um. You know, from the plot perspective, it's, you know, by the numbers, essentially. Uh, the biggest changes outside of the sexuality is the fact that she gets away with it, uh, which is, you know, a pretty big change from the traditional sort of equation. You know, usually the femme fatale has to pay for their sort of, uh, you know, indiscretion, moral indiscretions. Um, and so, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if it if it's an homage, it's like, oh, yeah, like it's a it's a pretty good are really good and like crafted very well and acted superbly. And that's where I think the pleasure comes from is that it's, it's done so skillfully that it's not just, it's a death. Right. It's not just repackaging. It's clearly like they were, they wanted to be careful about how, how to make those moments hit, how to make the turns in the dialogue, uh, clever. But then there's those moments like, Hey lady, want to fuck? Like what I'm curious, Molly, what do you think is going on in those kinds of moments? Another one that comes to mind is like um, when uh, the uh, Ted Danson character and J.A. Preston's character, the two friends kind of like have him cornered um, at his apartment when he comes back. And just like some of those little moments where it's just like, wow, William Hurt, you're just you're dumb as hell. And like, are we supposed to like how 
I can't tell if they're if th- that's an attempt to be uh, kind of subtle, or is that an attempt to really kind of accentuate how silly and uh, comical these kinds of over the top situations are, even down to like how just just how glistening this man's chest is when, <laughs> when there there clearly should be some kind of fan on in the room. <laughs> Uh, so many things to address here. First of all, have you ever lived in the South in the summers? Like, actually, the sweat feels very accurate to me and the lack of air conditioning in 19... Like, you know. Yes. The dead of Florida in the summer in 1981, you best believe that... And again, part of that is... But that's also like a classic trope, too, where it's just like the heat makes you do crazy things you wouldn't normally do. Right? So it's uh, supposed to be... uh, It's this really weird, bewitching three weeks of extra hot weather, even hotter than our normal craziest hot summers down here, right? So that it's like that's supposed to be a character that's pretty common. Like that doesn't read as weird to me or comical in a way. Like it's supposed to be heightened because that's the whole thing about these. Again, which makes it fun and entertaining is watching somebody, you know, watching characters where you're like, and and again, I think it's... If you go and you guys tend to kind of like try to like suck the fun out of stuff, but like if you go and like, <laughs> Jesus, everything has to be clinical. Like you go into a movie like this, again, I would assume this is how like I would approach noir. Otherwise, I don't know how you get enjoyment out of you. You might clock, right? Who a character is supposed to be, but you go into a movie like Body Heat for the first time, you don't necessarily know quite where it's going to go. You might be like, oh yeah, Kathleen Turner's probably like, I don't know how this is going to end well, right? But it could also be like, yeah, maybe she gets killed or this or that. Like there could be some other way that this could play out. You just know that's where the suspense comes from. You just know it's not going to end well. And so you're like going down and you're like, I can't turn away. I can't watch. And I don't know. So for me, it doesn't feel, it feels very spot on for also like an 80s vibe too. Like I think that's, you guys are like, oh, it doesn't match this, that, but like to me it reads like, I'm like, yeah, this feels like so located, like in a good way that doesn't feel wrong, a 1981 (laughs) neo-noir. Like there's nothing about it to me that feels out of place when it was for the the time it was made. And also the humor too. I mean, I don't think Lawrence Kasdan did not have a history of writing things that had humor elements in it, you know? So I read that moment with William Hurt. I don't know if you guys have ever hung out with like men who are idiots. That sounds exactly like something a man would say and think it's funny. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Like I I don't, that again, like that's funny too. Cause you're like, who, what? I'm like, no, that sounds like that. I had total. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, he thought that was, he thought that was funny. Like when he thought it was her, he was like, that was like, Hey baby, want to fuck? Like he thought that was funny. Yeah. And that feels very like something his character would say. And then he looks like a dumb idiot because he said that to a stranger. Um, but yeah, that doesn't, I mean, it's supposed to be humorous in the sense like this guy's kind of an idiot, you know, Do you sometimes. Think that, like Kasdan is like commenting on the genre there at all. He's just trying to write an entertaining melodrama. I think he's just trying to make a good movie. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's, if I'm, if I like think of what kind of movies he makes, he's just trying to make, I don't think he's trying to make anything like, super subversive i think he was trying to make a movie that was really really entertaining yeah but i don't know i thought he did a good job 
And it's interesting, you know? this, is, this is technically, I mean, not technically, <laughs> like his best movies ever made was his first movie, right? Is that a stretch or no? Big mm. Chill came after this, which I think people like, but probably does not have the stature of this film. Um, I don't know what you guys I think. I mean, there's, there's those French kiss aficionados in here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a pretty straightforward, I mean, the movies that he writes, or again, especially the movies that he wrote prior to this too like so i don't know yeah the the sort of moments of comedy are like i really loved like i mean and i even say comedy comedy that felt it didn't feel out of place for me at least like in the like it, it felt like yeah there's because real life isn't there's people in conversations that happen even yeah. in this weird nature of this world where there's especially with two guys where they're like you idiot what are you doing you know or like the ted Dan- or whatever like oh my god i loved the scene and it totally fits with Ted, Ted Danson's character, like the vibe or some of those certain scenes, like after they all meet for like the first will reading yeah. thing. And then he's talking to Maddie outside the country. She's like, I know you're mad at me or whatever. I can't, I need you come to the house. And yeah. then Ted Danson's like in the background. I don't know if you guys caught this. He's in dancing. the background of the parking lot dancing and like yeah, dancing yeah. on the cars and just like being a goofball. Yeah. Um, so I say all that of like, to me, that's, that's a cue that I would take as like, that's not he's not having Ted dance and do that because he's making some commentary or whatever too. He's incorporating natural levity or humor or characters that mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. that as part of their personality because you don't have that. Like the humor that comes from William Hurt's character comes from him being a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that moment of wanna fuck. Like that I think that is supposed to be funny in the sense of like he's kind of an idiot, so like look he embarrassed himself. Well it's interesting because like there's that scene where Ted dancing is uh dancing on the dock right right doing like the fred astaire thing and then he basically implies that he knows that he's involved uh ned's involved in some sort of the murder essentially right so it's a weird sort of juxtaposition between this super playfulness and sort of hey yeah i know you're a murderer like what are you gonna do about it essentially Mm. um i don't know i think yeah it's you know what do you i don't know where would you guys put this in other sort of erotic thrillers? I mean, Molly, where would you rank this? Is this top? I always have to rank everything. <laughs> Just like, it's aggr- like you like it. Do you like it more or less? Aggressive more? ranking. Uh, <laughs> what? Do I like it more? No, I mean, like, it's not. Black deduction. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Peter Berg. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, it's really, it's fun. I mean, I think you get a little bit, the first time you watch something like this is always the most fun. Um, You know, that's like, you know, I mean, I think with any movie that has sort of the twists of like when you go in, I don't know. Like, again, I like, and the best erotic thrillers, it just like offers you this other like more intensive layer of like an immersive environment is I feel like the appeal where it's just like, you're like, I'm just like in this sweaty soup of like, (laughs) you know, whatever, like, and it's, and it adds this layer where you like can just like be fully in if you want to just, I don't know, like go Go like indulge in that fantasy. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I think, yeah, and especially like the first time you watch it, because if you allow yourself, I mean, this, you could argue this with like any like thriller movie, but I feel like, again, if you go full in, uh, there's just like an extra, because that's the whole point of why, like, again, the erotic part is it adds like, there's nothing more 
if you fully lean into it, there's like nothing more like out of control than the idea or the fantasy of like fully giving yourself over to just being like, ah, you know, this wild sort of unexpected sexual that I'm, I'm, I'm literally letting knowingly ruin my life. Like not even before he's plotting murder, he's kind of just like, whoops, like letting it just totally take over his life and be like, what, what would happen if I just like fully, decided not to care about anything else um and it's kind of like yeah that sounds tempting everybody's had those thoughts and you just don't do it because you know it never ends well whatever version of it it is so it's yeah i mean that's kind of entertaining to watch somebody and see what happens when they do that and that's like the keynote thing right it's the the fate it's a tragic flaw like he's i guess i don't know if you call him a sex addict but he's something like that where it's like he literally cannot control himself knows it's a terrible idea and just sort of jumps off anyways but there's also like a couple scenes like where there's this uh suggestion that like he can't keep up with her right yeah and okay. they're, <laughs> they're the vamp huh? right right so there's Give i mean me 30 seconds yeah that scene yeah yeah exactly and um like when <laughs> i mean now that the more we're talking about this i don't know why i didn't make this connection uh until this conversation specifically about like the the, the, the levity and the comedic um, aspects is uh um now i'm realizing i kind of had a similar experience when i saw wild things for the first yeah, time another yeah. but i feel like that's supposed to be yeah i would argue those are the ones that had that are the most I mean it's a different vibe but to me those are my favorite kind of movies which I feel like a lot of them a lot of like the neo-noirs like I feel like a lot of the iconic ones like Bound or even Last Seduction there's like like that that there's just elements here and there that it's not like everybody like a lot of the older noir films you know it's like everyone's sometimes like playing it come really fucking straight the whole yeah. time you know right. everyone's like down and they're spiraling down and it's all very serious right. um you know that it's like you get the most out of the movie experience you're like shit i get it all i get like yeah some levity i get and it also is like a way to like again make characters more dynamic right like even that one little mickey rourke scene is so fun and i wouldn't necessarily call it comedy it's not like comedy but it's just like that that exchange is just so interesting and like yeah. fun in a weird way yeah, yeah. i mean i presence i yeah uh, totally i mean and that, that was uh his first like real like i think even though it's just a few scenes it's what it's pretty much like his first meaty role because the diner was the next year yeah. and he had like really brief uh comedic role in 1941 and uh, another really brief role in some forgettable movie in 1980. Uh, but then this, it just like, it's, it's incredible. Like you get why he became that kind of like magnet in, later on in the eighties. Um, and uh, I, I think that is a really good Testament and William Hurt too. I mean, it's amazing that you've got all this cast uh along with ted danson who's perhaps the only one really known for comedy but everybody's got chops in like that that weird like high uh um what do you call it you used the word earlier molly that that kind of like heightened universe right where it's like when william hurt is like squinting and like delivering these really bad pickup lines but then also like kathleen turner is really like going full lauren bacall and trying to really uh just like glow on screen it just it's it's it, i think it 
makes sense that the movies had such staying power um, going all the way to, I mean, you were mentioning Molly about this idea of like having somebody ruin your life. Like it's, it, that's like, that's even in like, uh, me, like memes and online language nowadays. Like I want this person to break my back. I want this person to like choke me to death. Right. <laughs> and it's like, you were seeing this. So those things are so natural coming out of your mouth that just felt right. Yeah. I know. I mean, this is a very normal conversation for three platonic friends. Uh, I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> I just, I terribly enjoy hearing you have to say things like, you know, how the kids are saying, I want someone to break my back. Um, <laughs> to, to ruin my, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's like, it's, it's the appeal of the erotic thriller and like, again, what I think this, because it does, and it doesn't waste a ton of time getting you there in the beginning. Like it, it takes you on to like, yeah. What if you were just like, let yourself be a dumb, dumb, like William Hurt, (laughs) (laughs) like what sounds kind of appealing, right? Um, you know, what if any of us let us ourselves just like be a dumb, dumb and just like, yeah, like just go, just like indulge your primal instinct and just like Mm -hmm. see where that took you. And again, basically like you know there is sort of a i don't want to say you know but there there is an element of just like yeah i don't even care what happens like i want this so bad and i'm just gonna let myself just give over to that primal desire that like i don't care what happens like i I don't it's kind of like a death wish a little bit um you know like we're just like i don't care what happens let's do this let me throw a chair through a window. <laughs> um, so can we talk about like what exactly happened when this movie came out in 81? Because it was uh, a modest hit um, and it had relatively good reviews, but there was definitely some like clear like line in the sand. I don't know if you want to call it prudishness or moralist uh, or something. Yeah. yeah. So like. One of the most interesting things I noticed, like looking back at the original reviews from 81, um, is there's there's always this uh, sparring going on at the New York Times between um, uh, Vincent Canby, who's like the outgoing old guard, and Janet Maslin, who's incoming. Uh, she got the assignment to review Body Heat uh, when it was theatrically released. And so she wrote... Uh, sex is all important to body heat as its title may indicate and beyond that there isn't much to move the story along or to draw these characters together a great deal of the distance between the leads can be attributed to the performance of miss turner who looks like the quintessential 40s siren a call shout out but sounds like the soap opera actress she is miss turner keeps her chin high in the air speaks in a perfect monotone and never seems to move from the position in which mr kazdan has left her just like brutal um, Pauline Kale also trashed the film, but Vincent Canby uh, like did like a huge like twelve hundred word thing when the movie's released on VHS, which the New York Times was definitely not doing at the time. Um, but he seemed to go out of his way to go completely against Maslin, and he wrote, um, "If not in its initial conception, Body Heat is an original in its unexpectedly romantic, lush execution." It's full of extraordinarily rich, leisurely erotic camera movements, of which the film's first scene is a perfect example. Richard Corliss was also a big uh, pusher for the film. Um, so it seems like there was this this uh, kind of dichotomy between the people that really appreciated its craft, its skill, its pushing the envelope, so to speak, in the erotic direction, 
and the people that I don't know, do do we think it was just like a purely moralist, prudish thing going on? Or is there something uh, kind of going back to what you said earlier, Dan, like, did people just find kind of write it off as derivative as wooden? Well, I think the the criticism of uh, Turner's acting, I think, is a little bit misplaced because I think she was that was a whole put on. Right. If I'm wrong. Right. Like that was the whole point that she's supposed to be kind of flat uh and that's to, kind of to draw her character too. yeah um so yeah i don't really buy that part of it but i mean like i mean i think initially with a critical response based on what we're, i'm seeing here yeah it seems like a kind of line in the sand moralist stance maybe like people didn't think um it was a good like noir film or something i don't know but like it's that's all changed like this mm-hmm. movie has what a 98 percent rotten tomato score now yeah uh 77 metacritic 80 percent rotten tomato score 74 on letterbox 74 on imdb those are all super high scores metacritic audience score of 86 a google rate of 79 so essentially like whatever however it was sort of depicted back then you know obviously it made a big splash it made like essentially 80 million dollars adjusted to today's money which doesn't sound like a ton but it was a small film right uh and it launched the like the career of Kathleen Turner, launched uh, Kasdan, launched her, essentially. He was already sort of a stage actor and had some movies before this, but it definitely uh, enhanced his career. Like, a lot of the contemporary reviews are like, well, this puts him on the map. Yeah, This makes him like Robert De Niro level actor, is what I've read uh, at least once from a reviewer. Um, and it, what I find interesting about that, though, is like, how did that really play out to how people thought it was? Like, did William Hurt become a Robert De Niro or an Al Pacino? No, mm. he didn't. No. Uh, he became a very consistent and great um, character actor. Um, he got nominated, I think, once or twice for Academy Award uh, later on. Kathleen Turner, I mean, I don't know. Like, am I speaking out of turn by saying that, like, I mean, what was probably her biggest film after this? You guys think? I don't even remember. I don't can't even like think of her film career now. Um, uh, I mean, I think the only I'm trying to like race through my brain of all the movies I watched with well, my let's mom. Let's look it up. Or wait, was it, what, what was <laughs> Kathleen it Turner? Kathleen yeah, Turner. Like oh, Romancing Roses. the Stone. Hello, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like so many things. She's Jewel great. of the Nile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Casson, of course, you know, goes on to make some big films. But I think creatively, this is definitely his best film. I find it well, interesting you, because it's like see, uh, the Stephen well, King I mean, also Kathleen Turner then eventually got old, and yeah, we know what that true, means. Yeah, so, true. and then everyone was like, "Oh, you're not, you don't look exactly the same as you did in Body Heat." <laughs> yeah, throw yeah. her in the trash. Yeah. Oh my God, she was Jessica Rabbit. How did I not know that? Yeah, I mean, I mean she obviously did like a great role. Like, uh, she's in her uh, version Suicide. She's fantastic in that. Oh, that's right. Um. She won a Tony Award? I oh, know she didn't win a Tony Award. Uh, so you have that reaction, sort of like, hey, this is going to be a huge spark for everybody. And like, I think Turner would say yes, but for her and Kasdan, eh, okay. Like, they didn't necessarily live up to sort of that level of extreme hype that came out. But like, the film kind of stands on its own as like a huge influence, right? And nowadays, it's sort of seen as um, a real sort of milestone in neo noir and the foundation of an entire subgenre so it's like it, its stature is kind of like uh impeccable i would say um and there's not really i don't know i i i kind of wonder what younger people let's say under the age of 30 
would say when they see this movie like does the explicit sex still stand out i would say probably yes because it's so emotionally charged kind of what molly was talking about like it's almost like this fatalistic sexual yeah. primalism or something um that really lives on on the screen when you see it, you're like this is very intense uh i get a little hot under the collar um and like so that i mean that's sort of the i think that's sort of the historical and uh cultural importance of the film it's kind of it's kind of unquestionable um but i mean i I go back to sort of the stuff that you know i've been obsessively watching noir films for the last like two years straight right and that kind of like uh moralist backlash is all it's like you mean it's kind of history repeating itself right because that was that going all back to the way some of these themes were handled in the original uh, wake of noir and like the code finally dissipating in the forties and fifties. Right. Yeah. So like that's, that's part and parcel. That's like part of what makes noir noir is not just the over to topness, not just the, you know, doom and gloom, not just the, you know, melodramatic, aspects but also just like contextually so i mean (laughs) this is i mean if molly hasn't already fallen asleep um what what do we think is the reason that this kind of gets uh this subgenre gets a kick in the ass in uh the earlier part of the reagan administration yikes um is that a question for me I mean, I'm I'm checking in to make sure you're there, but I'm sure that Dan has a response to that. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. Go for it, Molly. <laughs> no one wants to touch it. Touch and that's what? a wrap for this episode. Of- <laughs> no one wants to touch what? <laughs> well, you got to talk about like she gets away with it, right? Like that's the hugest. Yeah, part. Like, exactly. That is the biggest change in sort of the formula. And she gets away with it, and she outsmarts I mean, everybody. So, but he made like and... a movie that's enjoyable for women. Like I don't understand. Like, it's just a, like, <laughs> well, but I think that's the interesting Are part about, about that. Like, it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> think about like the other way. Like, wouldn't the sort of okay? She gets away with it. So basically, she's a sociopath murderer, right? And so is he. Yeah, and so is he. But so, so that we're supposed to celebrate that. Oh my god! I mean, so <laughs> now who's the moralist? <laughs> I mean, that's I mean that's what an interesting part about it because in a traditional noir, the guy dies at the end, right? Like that's what a noir is at the end of the day. You you break the rules. Is it always? Eh, for the most part. I mean. There's a, there's a comeuppance, right? That happens. Right, but, but it isn't always player, that you're like, you know. I mean, long goodbye, he doesn't die. True. True, yeah. I mean, well, he, defi- but he, another in Chinatown, but there's sort of like a moral reckoning to what happens, right? Sure, yeah. Well, I guess I was just clarifying the guy doesn't you, always die. <laughs> would you put Catherine Turner in the same role as. That's where it's upended here because the protagonist is Ned, right? Not Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Right. Like, how would you relate Kathleen Turner to, like, let's say, uh, 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 Jack Nicholas in Chinatown? They're not like the same, right? In the traditional noir, essentially, like, you know, he would find out that the world's mysterious and he's never going to know what's going to happen and he feels down and dejected. That's a normal noir. 
or he dies. One of the two. What do we make that like the sociopath gets away, kills all these people and is, gets her wish. Her ambition is, you know, essentially fulfilled. What do you think that is there any sort of broader meaning to that? I mean, <laughs> like maybe I think because like, it did kick off a whole series of movies like this where the uh, the femme fatale essentially accomplishes what she wants to do and kind of gets away with it. There's no sort of yeah. Why can't we get away with it sometimes? That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, I mean that's I guess that's <laughs> why I was asking. Is that yeah. fun? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, like yes, and I think my whole point where we like differ a little bit on this is also like to me and like the question about again erotic prisoners like there's a fun element to it that I think maybe we differ on <laughs> that I yeah, see, or that's yeah. the attraction to the genre is there's, you know, again, not always, but it's like you get here. Yeah. I don't know. She, like she gets to, she gets to accomplish her goal. Look at her achieving her high school dreams. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And like, again, I feel like this whole movie to me is just like, fun and i think like we have this perception of like what is like fun and like pleasurable to watch it has to sort of like fit a certain category but i think when do it right like again like i said there's you get humor you get mystery you get like sort of like an immersive environment you get sex you get like it's yeah anyways so i think for me I don't, I don't know. And you guys probably did more like in-depth research to know if like Lawrence cat, I don't get the impression Lawrence Kasdan was trying to do anything like super subversive. Like I do no, think the I choice obviously no. is right. So that's what I'm saying. So I think some of your questions are like, am I finding some sort of like broader contextual subversion of cultural norms or something in this movie? Like, no, I think the subversion is more like genre subversion at the end. If you yeah. sort of have this attachment to, you know, this is how a noir is supposed to end. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's it. And like, I think it makes it a little more fun. You know, I like it adds yeah. an element, like when we talk about like wild things or some of these other, um, other neo-noirs, like it, that, that that's sort of like a similar vein. It adds an element of like, I don't know. Well, I, I can think of a better word than fun, but like it adds another like, element of enjoyableness to like going through that slog of like oh cool like someone kind of came out on top like yeah everyone's kind of a shithole like usually in these movies like no one she says it we're both rotten yeah like everybody's kind of like you know different shades of dumb and stupid and corrupt in these movies so it is it's at the end of the day it's a little bit fun to like watch somebody kind of like get away with part of it you know yeah Um, and i think that the I mean, it, now that you're saying this, it's reminding me of that uh, dinner scene, right? Where they run into each other at the restaurant, the the three of them, the husband plus our two protagonists, and um, the husband, Edmund, makes that, you know, crass comment about, like, can't explain these finance things to women. And uh, Maddie, like, does a like angry laugh it off kind of reaction saying like, Oh yeah. Cause they, you know, can't understand uh, women can't understand this. And so I, I mean, I do think that if, if there's anything like social commentary wise going on there, and I do agree that it's largely all genre work and subverting yeah. those kinds of tropes um, by 
having her out on top at the end. There's also like, I think a pretty uh, reasonable argument to be made that um, the, that feminism is showing up in mainstream film for the we first time. We have to pay time. extra for that. So don't yeah, get too into it. Oh, okay. That's for the Patreon. <laughs> I, I see some feminism coming. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I spy. I spy a feminism. <laughs> But I mean, I just I I I find that uh, I find that uh, that is one of the things that I think separates perhaps what's going on in Body Heat from you mentioned Night Moves, which is another Florida noir that happened a few yeah. years prior to it, right? Uh-huh, but that's yeah. like uber masculine, and uh, here we're we're kind of seeing some more equal footing between those characters, which then lends itself to birthing the whole erotic thriller genre, which is very much about like trying to you know you have some kind of dopey male uh archetype that is trying to figure out you know just how smart and cunning is this femme fatale rather than it being the the typical old school noir femme fatale where it's like yeah she might deceive you but she's gonna get what's coming to her yeah because at the end of the day like these men kind of like you know, deserve to be duped, not deserve. Well, no, I would say deserve. I don't know. Um, but you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I feel like that's part of the fun of it. Of just like, yeah, kind of these men are idiots. Like her husband, like William Hurt's character, you know, everyone's just kind of like a bunch of dum-dums, like following each other in a circle. And <laughs> like, that's the theme of this movie for me. No, but there's like an element to, you know, again, especially like, yeah, subverting that thing where it's like you you are given, even though everybody kind of sucks, you're actually given the opportunity, which I don't think a lot of like the older films necessarily give you the way that they write the women, even if you're sort of like, oh, she's so mysterious or like, oh, this or though that it's again, it's written with this like this way where it doesn't want to leave you with the option to actually root for the femme fatale. And I feel like here they give you that right, like you kind of know she's doing yeah. all this stupid oh, you know shit, but you're like, yeah. you're like, all right, like I hope you enjoy your life on the beach at the end. You know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like yeah. it's With like her dogs and her male lover. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Like it's there's there's a fun again. Fantasy is the key word here, which. You guys yeah. always like kind of take the, the the wind out of my sails with like the no, fun and the fantasy. <laughs> no, I mean, trust. Never mind. I shouldn't even say that. I like. I've got. I've got plenty. You of know wind. what you're coming into, Molly. This is an hour of stone cold analysis. Oh <laughs> God! I no. I'm saying like, <laughs> but there's. That's why I was like. I was like, this is. I enjoy this type of genre of movie for vastly different reasons than you guys do, but. uh <laughs> And I would argue is the appeal of it for most people, uh, whether they're analyzing it that way or not. But yeah, it's just, you can, it, the, I say the fantasy of two, cause it's all, it's, you get to play out in this movie, you know, you can kind of choose your own adventure. No one's going to be William Hurt for sure. But yeah. you know, do you, but maybe you do in the beginning, maybe you're playing out the fantasy of be, being William Hurt. We are just like, Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm going to just give myself over to this, like, you know, sexy hot lady that I meet at this bar and just let her ruin my life, right? Like that part of it, obviously not the ending up in jail at the end, but that initial part, you're sort of like, that's part of the appeal and the fantasy yeah. and the fun of like being in that role and just like, yeah, letting yourself give into that. But th- you can also decide then maybe next time you're going to be Kathleen Turner, right? And you're going to be the one that's like, hey man, for once in my life, I'm going to get ahead. Like yeah. I'm going to 
like oh, all these men are kind of idiots and like men are always trying to scam women so like what if yeah. i just you know scam them for once <laughs> yeah. and uh live a nice life and that's fun and that's like a fun fantasy that you can kind of latch on to you know if you want to the second time you watch it or whatever you could choose your own adventure are there uh any erotic <laughs> thrillers in, like the last decade i mean the genre kind of like had a heyday around the 90s probably mm-hmm. online porn um <laughs> i do i mean there's there's a larger argument there but i do think yeah. that uh, in general elements of but no you know what i'm gonna say what's that who adrian lint like i am so pumped oh, yeah adrian lint back after 20 years ben affleck anna de Armas, patricia highsmith novel exciting for that uh, i think it's called like e i'm with like deep water maybe it's some yeah, some sort of whatever um january yeah, maybe i don't know the, the release date's been pushed like 20 times um <laughs> but yeah i think they're still there i i do think that um you know, again, I feel like the last sort of big one, um, again, which is fascinating because, again, I think we want to dismiss and sort of, you know, again, just like be like, oh, those are whatever. But Body Heat, I think, again, to your point before about like, oh, it has all these high ratings on these nerd sites. Yeah. Um, that there's an appreciation like of what a film like that actually is. And I mean, that's that was a long time ago at this point, probably like 18 years ago, but. I mean, like Unfaithful, which was yeah. a, one of Adrian Lin's like big mm. last biggest films, but like that one was like, was, did Diane Lane like win an Oscar for that? She nominated like that yeah. was like a, and that was also again, and that was a quintessential like erotic thriller. Like right, yeah. everything about it, you give over, you're making poor choices, you're just fully, but you are doing it, you know. Right. And there's danger, and there's poor consequences, and maybe they also get away with it at the end. I mean, that one doesn't have the levity elements or like the sort of darker. That's not as yeah. That I wouldn't classify that as, it, but it's the same genre thing. But yeah, yeah, I think they just don't necessarily. You know, I'm sure it's probably again harder in the age of the to do a lot of like on-screen nudity or that kind of role i mean that's just i think there's also just maybe not directors that are interested in doing those movies <laughs> honestly besides adrian lynn <laughs> at least in america in america i think there's more correct of this, correct there's a like um lust caution is is a is a really Han- good the one handmaiden? Woo! the handmaiden the handmaiden yeah uh Two swimming pool up. Um, yeah, I would argue Handmaiden for me is like the last, like the most sure. recent. I mean, that's really recent too. I feel like 2018 maybe. Handmaiden's like that. Yeah. Actually, I would include that in my top. That's like a top, like fantastic. That's fantastic movie. For sure, for sure. Um, the other one that comes to mind, I know this is going back a little further in the 2000s, but like uh, In the Cut, Jane Campion. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like that was maybe probably the last one where i still had those same kind of vibes where it was like you it was discomforting but also like uh like you were you were definitely there was definitely like this high level heightened fantasy thing going on even though it's also super dark but i do think there's there's moments of levity there too um especially with mark ruffalo's character anyways uh yeah we've definitely we've we've uh long uh I think gotten through tracing the life of body heat. <laughs> what do you, do you have any final thoughts um, as our guest of honor, Molly? 
Stop. Yeah, what do you got for us? I think I've said all I need to say here. <laughs> no, I mean, in a good way. It's like, true. I love this movie. I love okay. erotic thrillers. You know, I mean, that's it's my jam. I like the 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 notion you uh, posited earlier about uh, the choose your own adventure. Yeah, I I, I, I brought this up with another one of my favorite non erotic thriller choose your own adventure movies is The Holiday by Nancy Myers, which Wiper and I really <laughs> like. But I lo- I do enjoy movies where, just in general, I mean, it's not it's can happen in any genre where it's like you can and that's an element of like pleasure and fun and whatever genre of like you can sort of tap into the fantasy of a particular storyline or a particular mm-hmm. character depending on how you watch it or you know which time you watch it what mood you're in i love that for sure well thank you so much for joining us molly next week are you ready for this dan our first uh, family friendly episode uh because i just i have to um I just I can't not, especially since my own kids are so excited. Uh, we're going to break down the once anticipated and now I think kind of dreaded Disney Plus offering Home Sweet Home Alone uh, for next week's episode of Film Trace. Mm-hmm.